but in this, like, um, and most of the, I read a few, I read books, and I did a lot of practices when I was out there, running around, at, before and after uh, the drug addictions. You know? I had a window when I was about 19 to 23 that the idea of, quote-unquote, God or transcendence was sufficient enough to keep me from drinking and using drugs. But uh, in those four years, or five, five years, I got super disappointed, in a way, with the whole guru thing, because I was with a teacher, and he was presented as the Lord of the Universe, which is a pretty big thing, <laughs> you know, conceptually in my head. And there I was, and I didn't like the Lord of the Universe. <laughs> it was a very painful relationship, because spirituality meant more to me than anything else here, really. It's one of the things I noticed, yeah. I was really into that, my idea, the concepts that my mind had about spirituality. I was not into spirituality. I can't be into spirituality because I can't be out of spirit, yeah. But I was totally into spirituality in a very all-conceptualized idea. So the idea of a guru, uh, and the thing is, I had never met a guru before. But when I met a guru, there was tons of ideas about a guru. Yeah. And when I became a follower of the guru, there was tons of ideas of how a follower should be. So there's, there's all this imminent potential of conceptualization waiting for you to meet whatever that may be to trigger it. You know, whatever, a relationship or whatever, or a job or health or whatever, whatever. As soon as the mind meets it, the mind gives meaning to it. And, then, and that meaning is conceptualized. Yeah. It's fabricated and made up in the confines of a system of thought. So it can't think outside the box. Yeah? And thinking cannot uh, capture or embrace life, in a way. It can just make it about something. Yeah? But it, it, it has no ability to embrace. So when your way of understanding is conceptualized, anything that goes into that box, let's say the idea of spirit, just the idea, or the possibility of spirit, drops in that box, it becomes something. Yeah? It becomes something. The mind makes it a lot of things, and it gives a lot of meaning to it. And then it also puts you in a position of being relationship in it, and it gives a lot of meaning to what that means. And so what you'd slog through in a way isn't uh, the day-to-day -day living of that spiritual journey. It's the jungle of conceptualization. All your ideas and beliefs and your opinions and what you believe should and shouldn't be and all your judgments and criterias. And there's many, many, the possibility of conceptualization just goes on and on and on and on. So... <coughs> With that in place, when I was introduced to this guru, and, and I was given a form of meditation, which worked. It was a good form of meditation. And therefore, I figured, well, he sold me a good product. He must be sort of something. And he had a lot of people saying he was something. But my sense was I didn't get it. Yeah. But what that made me, conceptually, was bad. <laughs> I mean, how could I, how could a spiritual seeker not like this Lord of the Universe? <laughs> the whole point of seeking, maybe, is to find the Lord of the Universe. 
And so all of that judgment was turned on my own mind, yeah, my mind's intense obsession with all that, and just fried it, just fried it for five years. It was just unbelievably cooked. <laughs> I mean, at a point where I was at a festival and they were doing a motorcade and he was driving around in an open car, and I'd been away from the group for about a year and started getting back into drugs, so I had a, I was wearing overalls the whole week. It was at this festival site, and I had a, 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 a vial of cocaine right in, it was like my security, like instead of a spiritual amulet, I had coke right in this one little small pocket of the overalls. And I put my hand on, oh yes, I'm, I'm saved. And then I was trying to get back and see what was happening with this group. And I was there and the same conceptualization just was driving me crazy, Rose. And I was thinking, and you know, I was just thinking it, but it would be cool if I could hit him with like a delayed like dart and that the poison would set up and he would die like 75 yards from the point where the dart hit him. So they wouldn't be able to say where it came from, like the, uh, the lone gun in, in uh, the JFK assassination. <laughs> There'd be a great conspiracy, but I would probably get away with it. <laughs> and I remember I was laying on this ground, just going over this, really. It was just so unbearable. These giant, out of seemingly nothing, these two conceptual uh, conflicting ideas total surrender to the Lord of the Universe, don't like the Lord of the Universe, was just doing battle on this field of opportunity for five years. So I finally left and I just got fucked up. I just started partying like crazy down in Miami. You know? And then I, it went on and on. It was like until I washed up on the shores of recovery, like in 85. I mean 88, really. So uh, I was caught in that ocean for a long time of addiction but it seemed a lot better than the other one I was in, that mental ocean of conflicting feelings and what it meant. And uh, I would do anything to get relief from where I thought I was, basically. I'd pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel that discomfort now, which is all being relied, is the, is the product of the mind relying on a failed system of thought and interpretation. And how it's relying on it is really the past the point of me relying on you. It's identification as. It's past that point of me relying on Chris. Because even if I relied on Chris, it, it would probably become a clear point where, and it was really bad for both of us, there'd probably come a point where that would be seen. And I could entertain, I can leave Chris. You know, I could just not let him run my life anymore. Yeah? You know what I mean? It would get to a point where the evidence coming in about the undysfunctionalness of this situation would probably finally dawn on me and the mind would entertain, hey, I can just pick up and leave. But if you're identified as, let's say, Chris, you can't entertain leaving. Yeah? No matter how it's going, no matter how it's happening, no matter how, uh, let's say, uncomfortable it is, the mind... No, squirming and trying to go to every little exit door it can think of can never just entertain freedom from it because it's identified as it. See, it's a tricky little system of thought. It captures the mind and then the mind can't seem to get out because when it tries to get out, it gets out as what it's identified as, yeah? Which is self can't get out of self. So even when it gets out of what's driving, it's crazy. 
it leaves as the problem in a sense. And so the solution sooner or later will drive you crazy. Yes? Everywhere you go will inevitably drive you crazy because self can't get out of self. So, okay, I'm leaving this failed system, but you picked up the bug in a way. You're identified with its core, and it's, the system is mobile. <laughs> it's not a stationary place. It's just a mental activity. And so that mental activity will go to wherever you go, and you may deem these places the solution of all solutions, but what's going to be sitting there and entertaining it is, quote-unquote, the activity of the problem. So there's a second way it, it inhibits you ever being free of it, in a way, because you're identified as it. So even when you believe you're getting out of it, it's really another form of being in it. Yeah? So self can't get out of self. No matter how far you go, it's you there. Yeah? You just, it's impossible to get step out of you as you. It's just not going to work. Yeah? It's a total, uh, like, uh, suicide mission. Yeah? It's not going to be successful. Even though you may live on a lot of hope, and you may have a lot of experiences, and you may get some free samples, but there won't be any long-lasting relief because it's you trying to get the relief. And that you isn't you. Yeah. When that's seen, something can happen. Yeah. When you see the futility of trying to get out of self, then you go to where the one possibility of freedom from it is, which is you cannot possibly be in self. Because being in self is being identified as self, and you're not that, yeah? You do not lose your nature, no matter how much the mind thinks it's identified as what it's not, it doesn't become that. It's already always what it is, yeah? And it's just a recognition of that, and an entertaining of that, that's now all the, the, all the row of very convoluted knots start loosening up, because you got to the first knot. And you'll know it by its fruits. You'll get some damn good relief. Not on like, a, oh, I got relief on Monday and then it was gone on Tuesday. But <clears throat> your baseline of how, quote unquote, you travel here will, will leap to lighter. Yeah? You'll, you'll, the whole way of living, not like all the different like furniture in the room will change, but the room will move. So it will look just like it always looks. But how it's being seen and the feeling of it is going to be different. Yeah? And then if you can key into that, that's a really nice flavor. When you start noticing the difference, yeah? the mind won't notice it right away. It catches up to it later and tries to claim it and tries to write a new narrative around it. Like, oh, I'm feeling really light now. And then it tries to go over its history. What did I do? bring this about, or what did someone else do to bring it about? And it now is on its little, its little investigation, what, which is defined by the system, and it's a failed system. So it can never come to the whole enchilada. It just can't get arrive there because it's using a failed system thought. Yeah? It's relying on a system that cannot pick up the presence of all presence. It can only pick up things. Yeah? It can't pick up space. It can't pick up context. It only sees content. And it will go over content and go over it and rehash it and rethink it and refeel it. 
over and over and over and over and over again. And so in, with a sense of quantity, you may have a sense you were living. But all you've gone over and over and over is just a conceptualized interpretation. The mind has just been just throwing it up, eating it, throwing it up, eating it, throwing it up, eating it, throwing it up, eating it. And you see other people, and you're very clear on what's happening with them, but because there's that sense of specialness that you're identified with, voila, me, yeah, that me gives it a total flavor that it's different. <laughs> I'm the only one that's really living here. <laughs> it's a, it always applies that special flavor, and let's call it chip for this, fall for this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn for that, and it puts on that special flavor, and even though it's a basic failed modality running, because it sounds like it's you, or it's about you, you think there's a possibility it could get great. <laughs> I'm going to hold on and hold out until it really switches, because then I, I, as Lynn, will be there to get it. I'll finally be able to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll live in the absence of it, and I'll, the mind will just rationalize why and excuse and blame. And you always see, if you see a lot of rationalization, excuses, and blame, you're at the, you're at the butt end of a failed system. Just like if someone was delivered furniture, and they delivered it on time every time, there was no need for excuses, would there be? Or blame. They wouldn't have to, oh, the traffic. These, or uh, rationalization, oh, I really wanted it get that couch there on time, but it just, you know, things came up, you know? All of that is a, are like smoke screens of a failed system, yeah? So that you won't see the, fail, the failure of it. So you ra rationalize, excuse, deny, disassociate. All these little attributes we feel are normal here are just ways of covering up a track, yeah? Just throw something in there. What happened? How did I get here? Because of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like we fall for it in a sense all the time because we're just the minds in like a, a swoon over this idea of being a someone, yeah? Oh, Paul, like, oh, a living, moving statue of myself, far out, yeah? <laughs> worship me, worship me. <laughs> that is just happening in a, con a content way, yeah? Content way. Yeah? There's a context that's, you, let's call it, let's say, the base of, of awareness, or you want to call it presence, or consciousness, whatever. But there's a base that is always there if anything or any, everything is felt or noted, there's an awareness that brings that about, yeah? Without the awareness, there would be nothing seen. There would be nothing noted. There would be no one. Every, oh, everyone's life would be like, what's, if does anyone hear a tree if it falls in the forest? Yeah? It would, everyone would be like that. There would be no... Yeah? But awareness allows a recognition. Yeah? And so your life is brought to you by awareness, not by you. You're like... You're the name tag of a little puppet, like they call it a flesh bag or something like that, that's playing around on the strings of conditioning, yeah? Thinking, oh, I did this, I did that, claiming everything. <laughs> but 
uh, behind that, and it's not behind it, but it's in a sense of time or space, preceding it is content, context, yeah? Awareness, that's what's preceding everything, yeah? Not as a choice, it just is, it's preceding. Yeah? So you never, never, never become behind the scene. There's no point where you become the seer. There's no point that you and I become the doer of awareness. I'm aware. Yeah, like I just did something. Like, wow, I'm aware today. And I, you know, it's like running. I ran and I spent an hour being aware. You know, I'm aware today. I'm in really great shape. No, awareness is prior to us. The appearance of us, the living of us, the action figure, little storyline. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Now, if you can sense it moving through this, and it's not a verb that you, as this, as an inherent object, are doing, then in a sense, I don't like to use logic, but in a sense it's logically that you are actually that. You're not that which it's moving seemingly through. You are that which moves through. Yeah. To, to have this there, and then for this to turn around, see it, and then try to claim it and go, I'm the one who's aware. Yeah? So, and that means I have the choice to be unaware if I choose, or to be really aware if I choose. But in a sense, that may be the storyline and the, uh, the interpretation of awareness, yeah, as a, like a, a prior state of all states, awareness, that may be a, a condition that we see it in here as, oh, I'm more aware by what I do, and I'm less aware, but based, the basic dogship level of awareness is awareness. There's no adding or subtracting from it, yeah? Your, your uh, acknowledgement of it may be to degrees more or less, but it doesn't, you don't add on to it or subtract from it, yeah? It's not a weight, it's not a quantity, it's not something that, oh, uh, I took some awareness, I don't know where I left it yesterday, fuck, I lost some of my awareness. And I lost more awareness. I was aware of something I shouldn't have been aware of in there. But that's bad awareness now. It's tainted with pornography or something. You know? I'm not aware of that's gone or anything. Else. You know, it's not like you have a factory and your name's on it and you dis distribute it. And you know, I, I spent a lot of awareness on this fucking crazy thing today. And I don't have any more awareness for you. Sorry, babe. Put on the TV, whatever. But awareness isn't a quantity. It's not that. And it doesn't, it has qualities, but we're the only one that interpret it with qualities. It doesn't have any qualities in and of itself. It's just what that is, yeah. Now, if, if, if you hear something like this, and maybe put it in a lot better ways than I can, and you decide to entertain it, the secondary thing is what we talked about. If there's the identification as self, you're going to be, that entertaining is going to be run by and actually just claimed by selfing. The system of selfing will claim the possibility of entertaining awareness. And now you'll be the person entertaining awareness, which does what? Well, it claims, or what it does what is, it neuters it to the idea that it could ever be what you are because you are already something. You are already taking yourself to be something that now is looking at awareness. Instead of 
when the possibility of unchained awareness arises, to realize, in a sense, by I'm not that, that idea of being a self, therefore I am that, awareness, yeah? This, for me, works a lot better than that move of, of the system, which is that act of identifying. When a lot of people hear the message of, let's say, awareness, what's, what receives it is the dilemma, because it's like the sheep and lion. You know, they hear the, uh, the message that they're a lion, but when they hear it, it sounds like, yeah, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion. But as soon as it hits their sheep-like ears, it's, I can become like a lion. Yeah, that's not it. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never know awareness by you knowing awareness. Yeah, you know awareness as awareness. You don't know awareness as you knowing awareness. That's not awareness. That's a conceptualized idea of awareness. Yeah, because you're a conceptualized idea, and the only way something grocks with you is by the same system of conceptualization. I'm a something, awareness must be a something. I know awareness. I've experienced awareness. I know what it is. I have an understanding of it. The understanding of it is awareness. Yeah? <laughs> That's the understanding of it. The understanding of it is a living understanding. Because awareness is, as long as you seem to be here, awareness is demonstrating itself. <laughs> yeah? So, you know it, by that, yeah. You know it by it's knowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's knowing is how I know it. Awareness. <laughs> yeah. As soon as it becomes me knowing it, then that again, like I tried to share earlier, now that's been gone into the conceptual box and made into something. So now I'm gonna I have awareness, I'm gonna practice awareness, I'm gonna purify my awareness, I'm going to focus my awareness, and all this. That's fine and dandy. Those are nice practices. But the sense of it's you doing it, you miss the whole nature of awareness, which is I sense that's your nature is awareness. That's it. You can't know your nature as another subject. Yeah? It has to be seen. I don't know, maybe it doesn't have to be seen. But let's just say, the way I see it is it's, it has to be seen you're not the pseudo-subject, and that's it, yeah? The pseudo-subject can't know awareness because it makes it an object, yeah? Because it's the subject, Paul, yeah? Very rarely do you say, I'm awareness, I'm, you say, I'm aware, yeah? Paul's aware. No, that isn't the case. So when the pseudo-subject is seen or entertained, has maybe I'm not that, that whole, what that implies, First beginning, you know, identification as this, everything taken to be this, and then up to here, yeah, yeah. The body plays a big role. It's like the flagpole of this mental flag of selfing. The flagpole is identification as body. It gives it all its premise about telling a story about life as you as the doer, yeah, it does. The body is very important to it. So that flagpole is the body. There's the flag of the mental thing, which is all conditioning and, and reaction to stimuli. It's always fluttering by all the winds of manifestation, yes? And all the fluttering is based on its conditioning, and then it reacts from that conditioning. It's a very small system, yeah? It doesn't have any new, new cats to pull out of the hat. You've been through every one of its possibilities. I will be okay when I do, 
write down whatever you want to write down. I, I won't be okay if this happens. Boom. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's a very small system. <laughs> There's a huge mind. Like, <laughs> so, every, you know, accessible at all times, everywhere you are. And yet, <laughs> we've been so downsized in a way by our entertaining, hey, I'm this, that we get to live in a very small box of mind. Yeah? A very small box. Which everything is just being redone and rehashed and rethought and refelt. You know, it's just the same old, same old. You put different names on it and different names to the objects, but it's really basically. I basically I met my own thoughts about something. That's basically what it is. You know, the thought about me met it, met the thoughts about something else, and then the thoughts collide and more thoughts happen and more impressions and more memories get in. In a, excited, and then more thoughts and more feelings and imprints of all this conditioning just keep colliding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the space gets filled with like the mental 4th of July. Tons of explosions, but none of them open up the sky. None of them. None of them leave a lasting impression on mine. None. They're just movements and collisions in like an imaginary little like bumper car place. Yeah. <laughs> We're colliding, like they say in recovery, our instincts are in, in collision with others, yeah? So we're wild. We're just being driven by things and we're running into circumstances and situations and they, they just, it's like the false flame just reignites all day in the ignorance, yeah? Constantly reigniting and reigniting and reigniting and reigniting so it seems like it's a fire, yeah? But it's just reigniting, reigniting. And I'll tell you, I found it changed when the idea of being a self dropped out, I swear. That's sort of when things started to chill out. I mean, literally, really chill out. Not chilled out like something I was concerned about. I gotta keep doing what I'm doing to have it chilled out. There's really nothing to do, yeah? Whatever the conditional uh, destiny of the body is, you'll find out what's right and wrong for you. It's not morally right or wrong, it's based on what works, yeah? You'll find out, hey, what this Paul can do and not do here. If I don't, if I do something I cannot do, it maybe creates an agitation of mind. The wind gets stronger and the flag starts really whipping. Yeah. Instead of south, north, west, east wind, it's all self wind. Usually, the self is blowing it all day. You know what I mean? It's a fucking big gale, and you know, it's like sort of like a sleeping dog wakes up, and then your whole day changes. Now you gotta feed it, walk it, you know, clean up after it because it's shitting everywhere. And you really had the run of your house when it was asleep. It's sort of like that. So whatever you know works for you. You know, if you think you have free will, try to live by it. Yeah. I don't cross certain lines. So I have possibilities to do so. I just don't. Because why? I know what's gonna happen. Agitation of mind. And I really value peace of mind. Yeah. I do. The quality of that, of emptiness, is an incredible quality. Your mind can like sort of entertain, maybe infinitely really, because it's total space. Mind can entertain anything. And really, here we're experiencing what mind entertains through a certain system of interpretation and thoughts. But mind can also entertain nothing. It doesn't have to entertain a thing. It can entertain no thing. It can entertain 
the emptiness of things. Yeah? It can sort of like in, Jap- in Japanese art, they used to, a lot of their art would be very minimalistic, yes? Very limited, but mostly to accentuate the space. So they have a leaves and then a big gap of space between them. And so the mind's eye would start getting into the habit of seeing, quote unquote, seeing space, yeah? Intimating what that means. You can't obviously see space, but in the seeing, there's an intimation, yeah? There's an intimation when you see nothing. There's an intimation. You get a flavor of something you can't catch, or you can't taste it, feel it, sense it, you know, hear it. But in the seeing, which is awareness happening, yeah? And seeing, disengage with all the intention on the things, it senses, I would say, itself. And that has a big effect on mind. Mind is, uh, it's like the, you know, that unruliness of mind. This is one drop of mind, of that mind receives and chills out. Yeah? It sort of isolates that insane system that's dominating all your intention and uh, interest because it sees I'm not that. Yeah? <laughs> Why, how do you totally engage in it is you. The idea of being a you, you're totally, you are, the, you are for all intents and purposes, living the product of that system of self-centeredness. When there's a strong feeling and it's constantly, everything is engaged from that feeling and re- reinforcing that feeling of being Paul, that's the product of the system of self-centeredness. Yeah? You're in a very small box of mind. But mind isn't separated by those walls of of, of uh, conceptualization. It's just like here, if we took this wall down, you wouldn't have to move space back into where the wall was. The space, it's just an appearance of the wall. So this little system of thought is just a frame, an imaginary frame on an infinite aspect of mind, really. Yeah? Like in Buddhism, they would say, ordinary mind and enlightened mind are the same mind. Yeah? Same mind, mind. There's no difference. Yeah? There's just... A lot of space, let's say, and then self-centeredness, a conditional mind, is a little of that space being framed and put in into time and space. And then all things and all this whole story going on. <laughs> it's nice to have a little influence of the big context, yeah, into the content. You're appearing here, this is the movie, yeah? But it'll be, it really will help the character when it's not the character. He'll <laughs> be a character. But it will help the character when it's not the character. You'll still be a character for all intents and purposes running around you, but it will really help that, help the character that you're not the character. Yeah? It will allow this character to travel later and to be able to enjoy what's available here. Yeah? And there's a lot of stuff available here. Incredible moments of contact with things and inert things like landscapes and even though I would say they're not inert, but you know, there's tons of contact going on that's really incredible if, if you could be able to enjoy it. But most minds can't because they're addicted to time. So when you're enjoying something, you know you have to be somewhere else at four or something. <laughs> you know, there's always an overlay that sh- cuts short everything. Any really letting go into any moment because you didn't believe there's another moment on its way that I've got to be, be holding on, you know. And it's just, it's sort of like hanging over a beautiful pool and never really diving. You know, like, the, like someone has a rope around you and you dive, no, but it, 
it may be cold, or you know what I mean? All these considerations of not letting go. And I don't believe that you will ever get there to let go. I think that's the whole activity of holding on. But if I'm not that, there's no need to let go because I'm already let go. Instead of having to travel somewhere, I'm already there. It's much easier to immediately enjoy it if I'm already there than to think I'll enjoy it when I get there. Yeah, no, I'm not into that anymore. Especially as I'm getting older, you know, put it off. Fuck it. <laughs> I've lived so many five years Stalinist plans of how to be happy. <laughs> I'll tell you, if you've been through 15 of them, the 81st will be the exact same. <laughs> full of hope and expectation and then probably disappointment and then rationalization, excusing and blame. <laughs> Never just admitting the fucking system failed. We can't look at what we do here. We're constantly resuscitating dead systems like uh, finances and everything like that constantly. Fucking let the fucking thing die. It keeps collapsing and we're <coughs> Bailout money, whatever. Bring it back to life. We'll be, we'll be ruined. Yeah, this is the whole fear mongering of selfing. Yeah, if something keeps wanting to die, let it fucking die. <laughs> you know what I mean? What? But what would happen to us? Yeah, find out. But I know what will happen to us. It'll be terrible. No, you don't. The failed system can't even look. It can't even see beyond your nose. <laughs> and yet it's pontificating about what it will be like. <laughs> it's like listening to a crazy weatherman. <laughs> you have, you're stuck on one cable channel. It's the mental weather station. <laughs> and you've got Anthony anxiety and, you know, Wandy, Wando worry. And constantly, <laughs> it's going to be a bad forecast. You better just hunker down and put up with where you're at because it's worse out there. Don't don't give up. Don't give up that fucking familiar misery. No, it's unfamiliar. It will really be misery. <laughs> okay, thank you, old wise one. When is this gonna pass? When can I die? Oh, come on, it's a form of slavery, isn't it? In a sense, if you look at it, it's a form of slavery. Yeah? The mind is enslaved to an idea. It's trying to struggle against the chains, doesn't realize they actually tighten the chains, and it seems to be up Schiff's Creek because when it tries to get out, it's actually another form of being in. Like the, 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 all the chains are elastic. They go wherever you go, identified as a self. Yeah? You go to a temple, they have politics and temples and people bickering and fucking backstabbing and, you know, who put the shoes next to the master's shoes? I want my shoes there. So, yeah, so my shoes are next to the master. All this stuff. It happens everywhere where mind is. There's no Shangri-La. When you get there, the party sucks. Inevitably. Yeah? You hear about it. It keeps telling you how great the party is, but when you get there, it sucks. And you never put two and two together. Maybe it's your presence that causes us to seem to suck so much. Maybe if, but how can I entertain not being here? I'd have to kill myself. No, entertain, you're not that, which is claiming to be here. 
And maybe you'll see that you are the here. You are here. Not you, but you are here. You're the here-ness of this quality of living. Yeah. You're that. You don't have like a size 32 legs or whatever. You're that. There's no... There you have it. I like this way because I just speak about what you're not. That's what I attempt to do. Because I heard a lot of people speaking about what we are. And every time I heard it, I was hearing it as Paul. <laughs> and everything they said just got more and more conceptualized. And, then, and more and more used to, to point out that I wasn't there about the there they were talking about. Yeah? Then this back way, though, is you're not that that's saying that, and you're not that that feels great that it got over saying that. You're neither any place where the mind takes a position as being the doer or the one or the haver is the self thing. That's the product of it. You think, what do you think all this yapping is about? All the yapping is about is to have a sense that you're the one that's hearing it. That's its point. The yapping is selfing. 70,000 thoughts a day, how many do you use, really, to do your job? Well, I don't have a job, so I don't do any. Yeah. How, many day, how many thoughts I need to navigate through one of my normal days? I don't know, maybe 15, 20, literally. Oh, I better go to the store. How is that? Five thoughts, one word. All right, I get to the store. I don't have to, and then all the thinking while I'm at the store has fucking nothing to do with getting to the store. I already got to the store. It's done. Yeah. Now I'm walking around in space to pick things up. All right, get in the car. Oh, oh I got to call out that person. All right, that's that. Not, oh, I should have called out. <laughs> no, they're just little bulletins about your day. Yeah? And about maybe things you have to do in future days. There's no need to go over past days. It's just, you know, it's very... You could probably navigate a life with maybe 30 thoughts a day, basically. In Marin, you'd probably have someone else do, it, do the first 28 of those thoughts, so you only have two thoughts to handle. You'd be paying people to do the other 28 thoughts. <laughs> but, yeah, you really. Why, do you, what is that, why are 70,000 thoughts being generated by the system every day? 70,000 thoughts. 70,000 things say in research. A day. Why is there such a massive amount of quote-unquote thoughts being generated? Are we having that much contact? Let's say I met 12 things during the day. Tw uh, like people or a place I went. Let's say 20. 20. Do, so 20 meetings I had that day in, uh, agitated 70,000 thoughts? Seems to be a that seems to be an overreaction from a system that's supposed to be like a navigating system. It's like having a GPS that won't stop talking. <laughs> you should have went earlier. You shouldn't have been. What? You missed. Oh, you are fucking bad. You always miss turns. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, hey, you missed a turn, that's that. You did your job. Thank you. But you, sh you, are, you are a bad, you know? What the fuck's happening? This thing is, and you constantly go to it for navigation. You always go to your GPS up here, and now it's forecast, and it's mapping out your life. <laughs> it usually takes the most circuitous route 
to get there. It has no shortcuts whatsoever. It says they're shortcuts, but they probably get you embroiled in tons of shit like, oh, I like to have sex dates, so I'll sleep with my friend's wife. All oh, right, that sounds like a shortcut. Yeah. All right, there's an impulse in my body. Sex, yeah, that'd be great. You know, and thoughts, all right. Sex, one sex. Oh, my wife, my, my uh, friend's wife, all right, have sex. Then thousands of thoughts and drama and everything ensues by that shortcut. All right, I got the sex. Now I've got fucking a guy who's very big wanting to beat the shit out of me. All this drama going, getting calls from him every night at 2 in the morning. Oh, I really like to see all this shit. What the fuck happened? All I wanted was sex. Thousands and thousands of thoughts and opinions get generated. Yeah? And then, yep, well, what do you go back to? How should I deal with this? Back to the problem. Once again, <laughs> your gas mileage is terrible. You drive incessantly. 70,000 thoughts to go through one day in Marin? Give me a fucking break. <laughs> They're not to, for the purpose to navigate. They're not, my, this one's working at times. I get informed and it's very good information. It's very short and sweet. Paul, you better get, go to the clinic. Yeah. I get a feeling first and that feeling sort of crystallizes into a, like a, a thought. Hey, go to the clinic today. Yeah. That's it. All right. It's noted, and then I get up, it seems like I go to the clinic that day. Yeah. It's, it works. It's clean. All the debris, and it doesn't mean it's not coming up on the, on the thing, but my interest and attention has been freed from it. All the debris of that, it's like a giant asteroid belt. Thousands of thoughts floating around the planet Paul, just colliding and this all day. And, and it's a huge belt, so you, from planet pole you can't see. All you're seeing is this giant belt of mental activity, and you're taking that to be the universe. You're taking, oh, look at those stars there. Yeah. The selfing is there for a point to reinforce the identification of self. Yeah. To take all the information that's being gathered and be comprised on the one top piece, which is it's me. That me, that edifice has to constantly be worked on because it's crumbling all day. It doesn't have, it's an assumption, it's not a reality. So it's the plastering, the new plastering job all day is the thought system, reinforcing the identification itself. And that may take 70,000 thoughts a day. That may take a whole lot of information being interpreted and cherry-picked to produce a result. Ah, life is happening to me. Yeah? And when that's set, then that stays, that becomes your main like uh, point of departure and return is that life is happening to me. And that's called self-centeredness. And we, people who are in recovery, who have been involved in an extreme form of self-centeredness called alcoholism, we're very, very familiar with the defeat of that system. It can be really hairy, and it can be really, really, like a very beautiful statement in the program catches it. It's, a, it's the pity, pity and incomprehensible demoralization. That's one of its qualities that it produces. 
pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. That's what alcoholism produces. That's its pinnacle of success. When it gets to the point of producing that state of being pitifully, incomprehensibly demoralized, that's like it just crossed the finish line. It's just, it just won. Yeah? It just, that's its crown achievement. Taking this incredible possibility and producing an incredible pitifulness, completely incomprehensibly demoralized state. That's a pretty amazing thing to have that much light in a way be doctored into such a dark hole. Yeah? It's incredible. An incredible move. And it's all life is happening to me. Life's happening, much easier to travel with, yes? Because to travel with it, you've got to keep moving. You can't be inflexible. You can't be rigid. You can't be conceptualized because it won't wait for that. It'll break through all that fucking shit. Life is just happening, yeah? You can't stand there and say, it should be this way. It's going to bow right through that idea. Every time you take a position, it's going to knock you over. You have to go with it, yes? You go with it. And you cannot do that as a self. Because that's what self is. It's a rigid conceptual frame. If I'm not that, you'll see you have the quality of, of verbing. Yeah? You have the ability to go with it, so to speak. 